0: listening to the Forefront Church Podcast in New York City, where our vision is to see lives, neighborhoods, and our city renewed through Jesus. How many Palm Sunday services have you attended in your life? Just tell me, shout it out, how many? Yeah, right, we've all attended a lot, that's the point. If you're new here and this is your first one, welcome. I'm glad you guys are here. I've attended about 30 in my life. Uh, Here's what I can tell you about Palm Sunday. Uh, Usually it's like really happy and like there's like palm branches and things. Like this is the first time like I've recognized like reading this story in depth. Like Jesus loses it. Like Jesus absolutely loses it on Palm Sunday. I'm just going to go ahead and say it, okay? Jesus goes a little bit crazy, all right? He goes a little bit crazy this Palm Sunday. I want you to do this. Take out your Bibles or your Bible apps or whatever you have and I want you just to kind of like scroll with me through Luke 19, okay? We're going we're to spend most of our time in Luke 19. Um, but, but this is what Jesus does, okay? Uh, we start out, Jesus is, is riding in on a donkey. People are shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the, is the king. And somebody says, tell everybody to be quiet. And Jesus is euphoric. And he goes, if they stop the rocks, they're going to cry out. And Jesus is like, euphoria. And then he turns the corner and Jesus goes from euphoria to just weeping. He starts crying. Just euphoria to crying. And then he enters into the temple, and he enters into the temple, and you just see nothing but anger. So he goes from euphoria to crying to just anger at what's going on in the temple. And then Jesus composes himself. He goes, all right, okay, now I'm ready to teach. And begins teaching. Euphoria, crying, anger, teaching. Now, we live in New York, right? Um, Let's say we're sitting in a park, or maybe on a subway, And uh, we're sitting there minding our business, and some man or some woman starts just being, like, euphoric on the subway train, right? Like, yeah, shouting and yelling, and there's excitement. And then this person just starts crying, right? And the person starts crying. And and then they start yelling because they're angry. And then this person on the subway goes, okay, I'm composed. Gather around, me. I'm going to teach. What would we do? What would we do? What would you do? Move subway cars? You'd call the cops? you do that. You wouldn't send your kids over there. Go over there, kids. That person knows what they're talking about. Would you do that? We certainly wouldn't be like, you know what? I think you're one person I need to praise and worship. You seem like you have it together. I'm going to sit at your feet and do that. Would we do that? No, we'd be like, somebody help me. I'm with a crazy person. But this is what Jesus does, and this is part of the Palm Sunday story. This is it right here. And what I'm recognizing is that our Palm Sunday Jesus, what our Palm Sunday Jesus does to us is he contradicts everything that we think we know about God. Our Palm Sunday Jesus contradicts everything we think we know about God. Here's the deal. Our church, our vision is to see lives renewed and restored through the power of Jesus Christ. And I fully believe that we live out our vision to see lives renewed and restored, neighborhoods renewed and restored, when we embrace this Palm Sunday Jesus who has us asking way more questions than giving us right answers. That's what I believe. And in order to see how that plays itself out for us and for our church and for our community, I want us to get into this story, so stay with me, okay? And like I've been saying every week for, like, the past few months, like, if we're going to read the story, we can't read it with our Western eyes, okay? We can't, we, we, we've watched the end of the movie already, okay? We know that, you know, we know that he's Kaiser Sose. you know what I mean? Like, we, we've seen the end, right? Like, we've, we've, um... We've come to the place where we know that that this Palm Sunday ride into Jerusalem means death, but we know it also means resurrection. And so if we're really going to get this story, if we're really going to understand it, what we have to do is we have to put ourselves there at a place where these people have no clue that there is a death and resurrection coming up. What this looks like for the people that were there is it looks like an Arab Spring. You guys remember Arab Spring a couple years ago with Egypt, with the uprising in, in other countries as well, and governments were overturned? This is what that day was. This is what it feels like. So let's put ourselves there. What's going on? Well, Jesus is coming in on a donkey uh, as the Passover festivities begin. Okay, What what was Passover? I'm going to read it. It's Exodus 3, and uh, this is uh, verse 7. It says, the Lord says, I've observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I've heard the cry, and I know their sufferings, and I've come to deliver them from the Egyptians. I've come to bring them out of the land to a good and broad land. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me, and I've seen that Egypt has oppressed them, so I'm going to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. All right, so what Passover is, it is a festival of freedom, deliverance, and liberation. That's what it is. It's a festival of freedom and liberation uh, uh, to commemorate the time when Jesus brought Israel out of Egypt. That's what Passover is. That's why you celebrate the Passover. Think of it as like a a super-religious Fourth of July. Okay? It's the time where where you have your independence. That's what's going on. And so because it's Passover, everybody congregates in Jerusalem. So uh, most scholars and historians will say that 200,000 people would actually make their way to Jerusalem. So you're talking a, a few thousand years ago, a couple thousand years ago. That's like most of the world's population, it feels like, is headed towards Jerusalem. So they're all headed towards Jerusalem, okay? And I've said this a million times. I'm going to say it a million and one times. But Israel, as they celebrate the Passover, which is a festival of freedom and liberation, are being oppressed by the Roman Empire. Okay? If you're new here, they're being oppressed by the Roman Empire. I'm sorry for those of us who have heard it like a million times. But yeah, so that's happening. So if you're the Roman Empire, and the people that you're oppressing, the people that you're oppressing are celebrating a festival of freedom and liberation, well, what do you want to do? You don't want them to be too free. You don't want them to feel too liberated. And so what would happen is the Roman Empire, every year for this festival, would send an eagle. And this eagle would come to Jerusalem, and the eagle would have a message attached to it. And the message would say something, usually to the, to the effect of like, watch out. Or like, we're watching you. or Be careful. Like that kind of thing. This is the tension. This is the tension in which Palm Sunday happens. Okay, There is a tension that is going on right now. And it's in this tension that Jesus tells his disciples this. I'm going to read it. Uh, he says, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why you're untying it, say, The Lord needs it. So the Lord takes this colt, or this donkey, he sits on it, he starts riding into Jerusalem, there's 200,000 people that are kind of walking up there with him, right? All 200,000 are going, and all of a sudden, people start seeing this Jesus guy, I've heard about this Jesus guy, I've heard that he like performs miracles, and I heard that, he does some crazy things and hangs out with people. He's, wait, he's riding to Jerusalem on a donkey? He's doing that right now? Maybe this guy really is the Messiah. So why would they think that? Because these people are certain. They are absolutely certain. They've read their scripture. What does their scripture say? Their scripture makes them certain. And this is what their scripture says. It's Zechariah chapter 9. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you. Riding victorious, lowly, and riding on a donkey, on the colt, the foal of a donkey. Oh my goodness. Scripture is coming to fruition. Here comes our king, riding in a donkey. That means that we are going to be free. That means that the Messiah is coming. That means that there's no more oppression. That means we don't have to be afraid of the Roman Empire. Let's start cheering. Let's start laying down our cloaks. Let's start putting down palm leaves, because here comes the new king. Here comes the real king. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna. Which means, Ben told us earlier, save us, save us, Hosanna, save us. You're the new king, you're coming in the name of the Lord, you're freeing us from this empire. That is what's going on right now. This is a political thing. Now, like I said, there's the Roman Empire coming in, and so somebody, you got to be there, you got to imagine yourself there saying, Hosanna, blessed is he. And so you say, wow, that happened in Zechariah, what's the next what was the next verse in Zechariah? And the guy next to you knows. And the person next to you says this. They say, he goes, oh, it's, I will take away the chariots from Ephraim, and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken, and he will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth. So, Jesus is entering the east on a colt with 200,000 other people, and coming in from the west, as would happen every year at Passover, would be the Roman Empire. They didn't live in Jerusalem, they lived close by in Caesarea. And so when this Passover thing happened, in order to show that they were still in charge, they would come in from the west and there would be war horses, And there would be chariots. And there would be soldiers. And the soldiers would have bows and arrows. And you know what people would do every year that they came in? They would lay down palm leaves. And they would lay down their cloaks and they would say... They would say, blessed is Caesar who comes in the name of the Lord. That's what they would say. This happened every single year. But this year, but this year is different. Because this year, Jesus is coming from the east. Our power and oppression comes from the west, but Jesus is coming in from the east. We're being saved, and no wonder... It's this tense situation. No wonder that, 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 that so there's Pharisees, there's teachers going, hey, don't mess around, okay? If you mess around, we're going to be in a lot of trouble with the Romans. And that's why Jesus is like, no, let them celebrate. Let them cheer. They're right. The Messiah has come. If they don't cry out, even the rocks are going to cry out. And then Jesus turns the corner and he sees Jerusalem. You know what Jerusalem looked like in those days? It was like really high, really tall. It had giant walls. Parts of it were made of gold. You know how, like, whenever we're on airplanes, what do we do? We all take a picture of New York City? You guys do that, and then we all post them to Instagram. Admit it. You do it, right? But why do we do it? Because it's like, you know, you're kind of like, wow, this is amazing, right? This is, I'm in awe of this. That's what it was like walking up into Jerusalem. Jerusalem sits on top of a hill, and you see it. And Jesus turns, and he sees it, and he starts crying. Why does Jesus start crying? Because this Jesus, this Jesus of Palm Sunday contradicts everything that we think we know about god what did god say god said that when the messiah came that this messiah was going to come and bring bring peace right well how did peace come throughout the scriptures if you were a good hebrew scholar you read your scriptures every time god brought peace every time god brought rain it happened through violence It happened because God ordained Israel to defeat some other empire through violent means. And people were killed and slaves were taken. And so they see this Jesus and they're like, he's the new king and it's going to come from violence. Violence begets violence. That's the way it's always been done. Of this we are certain. When we read our scriptures, it tells us we are certain. And so they believe that they're going to fight. They believe they're ready for a battle, and this is what Jesus says. Instead, Jesus says this, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but it's hidden from your eyes, the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side, and they will dash you to the ground and you and the children within your walls, and they will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming. Jesus is crying because he's like you are so certain that we're going to fight right now that I'm going to take over. And yeah, there will be a battle and the battle's going to be because you rejected me and about 30 years after Jesus is around, there is a battle at Jerusalem. Everybody dies. Jerusalem gets wiped out. There's still a monument in Rome that signifies this. It's called Titus's Arch or the Arch of Titus. It's still there. And so this is what Jesus does. And this Jesus is saying, you are so certain, but me, the Palm Sunday of Jesus, I contradict everything that you know about God. Everything that you think about God, I contradict that. And then Jesus gets like some cords, right? And he goes into the temple and he starts driving people out of the temple. Well, in the temple, everybody is so certain that they're doing it the right way. What would a temple look like? You've got to understand. A temple would be, um, uh, as, raise your hand if you've been to an armory before, or like a giant airplane hangar or something like that. That's a temple, okay? That's what the temple looked like. It wasn't like this church like that. We know it today, all right? And in this, I'm not kidding, you'd be up in, you'd be up to your ankles in blood. There'd be blood everywhere. It'd be all over the floor. And you would walk into this temple, and you would, you know, you'd be coming to Passover, and you would have a goat, right? Your scapegoat. And you would have raised your scapegoat for the whole year, and you would make sure there's no blemishes on the scapegoat because if there were blemishes on it, then you couldn't sacrifice it, and God wouldn't see you as clean. And so you had this blemish-free beautiful scapegoat that you brought to the temple and you said to the priest, I want you to kill this scapegoat for me. And the priest would say, "Um, yeah, you want to get right with God? And you would say, yeah, kill this goat. And the priest would go, well, I can't because your goat has blemishes all over it. And you'd be like, no, it doesn't. And the priest would be like, yeah, it does. I can see them, but you can buy one of our goats. That's what you can do. And so uh, you'd be like, fine i got to get right with God. You know, This is what the scripture tells me. If this I'm certain, the Bible tells me that the only way to get right with God is by making sacrifices, so I'll do it. And so you buy this other goat that the priest has. And the priest goes, no, 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 you can't use your money. you got to use the temple money. And so if a goat's 50 bucks, you can exchange it for temple money, but the exchange rate is so high that it's, you're really only getting 35 bucks. And so they'd be like, fine, I guess I have to do it. I want to get right with God. I'm certain this is what God wants of me. And so I'm going to go ahead and do this. So they would do it, and then what would happen is they'd sacrifice it, and the priest would say, great, your sins are forgiven, you're right before God, and then literally the priest would take this sacrificed meat and turn around and sell it again outside back into the the marketplace to eat. That's what was going on in the temple. So when Jesus says, you have made this a den of robbers, that's the economy that's happening right now. In fact, in Jesus' time, 90% of the economy in Jerusalem happened in the temple. 90% of it. That's what was going on. So Jesus comes in and he destroys it all and you can hear people say, this is the way we've done it for thousands of years, Jesus. What are you doing? You're crazy. You're crazy. Jesus, this is the way it tells us to do it in the scriptures. And sure, we're taking liberties here and there. We got to live. You know, we got to do that. But this is the way scripture tells us to do it. It Tells us to sacrifice like this. Tells us to go to the temple like this. Jesus, you are unbiblical. Jesus, you're heretical. Jesus, we want to kill you. This is ridiculous, and now we understand why people start to leave. Now we understand why people are going, hold on, hold on, maybe this guy isn't the king after all. Because he's not upending the government, he's upending everything I know about scripture. He's upending everything I know about God, because this Palm Sunday Jesus makes us contradict everything that we know about God. It makes us contradict everything that we are certain of. And today, on Palm Sunday, this Palm Sunday, Jesus should make us contradict everything we know about God. It should make us contradict everything that we are certain of. I um, had a conversation with somebody. This had to be a couple weeks ago now. And I have a lot of these conversations, but this one was new and fresh. And this person said, "Um, you know, Jesus, the way I knew Jesus, um, I'm confused. I'm really, really confused. I I don't get this Jesus, like, I thought Jesus was this way, and I was supposed to follow these rules. And if I followed these rules, then I was okay. I was going to go to heaven. But I don't feel like I know who Jesus is anymore. And is it time for me to leave the church? That was the question they asked me. Is it time for me to go? Should I go somewhere else? I had another conversation with somebody else who uh, talked to me a couple months ago, and they said, you know what? Uh, I don't like like the way you you preach. I really don't. I, I don't feel like you preach the scripture the right way. And, and this is the way I was taught how Scripture should look growing up, and you don't do that, and so I think I need to leave this church because I feel like you don't preach it the right way. And I've heard that too. And, um, and when we're certain, when we want to be certain, when we want our religion, when we want our Jesus to come in straight lines, we are afraid of the Palm Sunday Jesus. We are afraid of a Jesus who makes us rethink everything we think we know about the way we do church and about the way we view society and politics and the way we view our religion and everything that comes with it. When we are certain, we don't want to have to ask more questions. We only want the right answers. Just give me the information. Just give me the answers. And this Palm Sunday, Jesus is saying, you know what? If you really believe in me, if you really believe in me, then I'm going to make you ask way more questions and you're going to have right answers. In fact, when you start to ask those questions, that's when you're really going to see that I can do exceedingly and abundantly more than you ever thought or could even imagine. That's when that stops to happen or starts to happen. Because the truth is, we want to believe in status quo. And so here comes the Roman Empire coming in with their horses and their chariots and status quo. And here's Jesus coming in from the east, bringing something that we think is mystery.